0: All right, and welcome to the Film Coterie Podcast. I'm Roger. I'm Adam. And this is episode number seventy one. And this is an awesome week to be podcasting, my friend. Finally, some movies are coming out. We've survived the
1: doldrums of January. Yes, we have. We're moving into February. yep, and
0: we're moving ever, ever closer to Blockbuster season. Yes, we are, man. I'm telling you, with uh, a lot of things happening right now, I'm excited to do the podcast because we've got some cool stuff to talk about before we jump into our movie reviews and we have two different yet I think interesting films to talk about in this week's episode.
1: They're on the complete opposite spectrum of the budget uh, spectrum.
0: Yes, they sure are. Our, our our one of our features is Alita Battle Angel, 200 million dollars plus. Plus, and then we have Happy Death Day 2 to you. <laughs> Five million. It's five a, million. It's a Blumhouse special. Yeah. So from five million to 200 and say 50 million, you know, a little bit of a disparity. Right. But both have their uh, highlights and both have their flaws, you know, just like any 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 objective form of subjective form of art, I guess you would say. But man, I'm telling you, I, I'm excited to, to podcast this week because we have launched um, locally here at the Gateway Film Center. Horror 101 has launched officially Valentine's Day. And so, Adam, uh, tell our listening audience who may not be, live here locally, what is Horror 101 and what is the Gateway?
1: So, yeah, if you're in Columbus, you need to be Columbus, Ohio. You need to be very familiar with the Gateway Film Center. It's our heart and soul of film in the city. So, two years ago, they did a series called Cult 101, where over the course of 12 months or so, they played 101 of the best cult classic movies. Now, two years later, they're giving us Horror 101. Where, again, over the next 12 months, they are going to play 101 of the best horror movies, as voted on by a panel of experts from all over the industry. So what's fun about this viewing is that they're, as, to the best they can, they're going to get 4K restorations, 35 millimeter prints, and even VHS. They,
0: VHS on the big screen, man.
1: As uh, Chris Hamill, the president of Gateway, described it, it looks gloriously crappy.
0: In all of its glorious ugliness, right? And
1: they're they're doing these VHS screenings to be like a Friday night party like we used to have back in the day when we went to Blockbuster and rented a horror movie. They're gonna mess with the tracking, they're gonna rewind the best kills, and uh there's pizza and beer. So nice. and you're watching with a group of like minded fans.
0: And you were there for the launch of that, yep, right? Valentine's
1: and, Day at launch with Candyman. Yep which we're all excited about because Jordan Peele is, is producing a, a new Candyman.
0: Yes. And I got to go visit for Horror 101 for the weekend, and I got to see Godzilla, the original 1954. And um, uh, that was a great experience. It is a 4K restoration of the 1954 origin story for Godzilla, um, there have been dozens of Godzilla movies since then. <laughs>
1: dozens is playing it low.
0: Well, I don't know if there's been a hundred, but it's no. there's, But there's been several. Let me say, and I've seen many, many variations of them. And uh, I am a fan of the uh, kaiju uh, uh, genre. I love the monster genre. And um, uh, it was wonderful. What a beautiful print. And there are actually two versions of that film the 1954 version, which was done in Japanese with American with, with English subtitles, and then in 1956 they released a heavily edited Americanized version with American subtitles to not make America look so bad, you know. Um, and and really, the 54 version doesn't make America look bad, but right. you have to understand this movie. If I could just take a minute to talk about the original Godzilla, it it came out in 54. So we're, we are literally 11 years from the bombing, you know, and and and, and the end of World War II. And, uh, it, you know, even if you take the time that it took to make the movie, the two to three years before that, they, you know, Japan's just coming out of this um, humiliating kind of defeat, I guess you would say. And so it shows in this film, this is their kind of subtle political answer To, you know, uh, it just so happens that it's the Americans that are testing nuclear devices in the Sea of Japan that sets off this, uh, uh, releases the Godzilla creature, you know. But a beautiful print and typical, um, I had to laugh because I've seen a lot of Japanese films and and they kind of have this beat about them where it's like, one character will say, "Well, I would never do that ever," and then they turn right around and do the thing they said they never would do, or they, you know, and so that happens a lot in this film. Um, are, are they, you know, for today's audience, they um, they show you coming a mile away what the beat that's about to happen, but a lot of fun a pretty good crowd and uh again a beautiful black and white print. Yes, is it corny? Yes, is it obvious it's a man in a rubber suit playing Godzilla? Godzilla. Yes, is it obvious that um they're using toy trains? You know, and, with sparks. Yeah, with sparks and stuff, but it's it, I just thoroughly loved it, enjoyed myself and uh there are several films in this 101 series that I'm planning on checking out.
1: Now, my first time at San Diego Comic-Con years ago, um Gareth Evans Godzilla was just announced they were still filming it but they had an exhibit we could walk through and I don't know if it was the original suit or a recreation of it but there was an original Godzilla suit from the first movie it was cool seeing it in person and the guy who played him wasn't much taller than me I'm five foot six I'm on the shorter side so Godzilla's not that intimidating when you're eye to eye he's just a big lizard but <laughs> you put the tiny city around him right I also think this is one of the smallest iterations of Godzilla when his size compared the to the buildings compared to what we have now. Yes.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, I think they, they've adjusted the scale because even the buildings, when he begins to direct the city, they're no more than four or five stories, the tallest buildings, you know. And he's stepping right down on them, you know, yeah. whereas more, much more modern iterations of Godzilla... The skyscrapers and he still towers above the skyscrapers, you know. So, yeah. And we have a Godzilla movie coming this year. I haven't seen any trailers for it, but I'm very excited to see the movie coming this year. For those
1: who haven't listened in a while, Roger is still staying trailer free for 2019.
0: Now, let me bring that. Let me just mention that real quick. So, I decided I would do an experiment and I would not see any trailers, and I would see how that how that affected my movie going experience. What I'm coming to realize is that. I now have no frame of reference for any movies I go to see, and that's—I'm not enjoying that. I, I'm finding that I enjoy at least having a foundation to build from because everything I'm taking in on the screen, I've seen it for the—I'm seeing it brand new. And I thought I would love that. I'm actually not enjoying that, and so I think I'm going to continue through Avengers and then maybe call a hiatus. And get back to just going in and watching the movies regular. Right now, we have a system.
1: <laughs> yes, I text Roger.
0: All clear. Uh, all and, clear. Come in, you know. But uh, anyway.
1: No, I will say there is a difference between trailers. There are some really good trailers from last year that they gave you a sense of what the movie would be. Some, some reference. Yeah. And I think what trailers sell is tone. Um, Hereditary was the trailer I thought was a standout trailer from last year because it, it didn't really tell you anything about the movie. Right. You could watch that trailer and then watch the movie and, and be surprised all the way throughout. It was not playing out the story beats, it wasn't giving you much of a sense of even what the movie was. Sure. Um, coming up, Jordan Peele's Us, I think, is also a good trailer. It gives you enough to get a sense for the film, but you really don't know where it's going. Yeah. So trailers like that don't really ruin the experience,
0: no, I don't think. No, uh, yeah, absolutely. So. But then I, there's
1: trailers that literally sell the whole movie. Yes. all three acts are in that trailer and you know what they might show you the final shot of the movie
0: well you know i think when trailers first came out they did that intentionally they, they were they, much worse they were three minutes yep. long and it showed you all each minute was an act and it showed you the you literally got a three minute synopsis of the whole movie you know so um but anyway so we'll see what we'll, we'll you know avengers is coming up here in a couple months and uh I uh, will be ready to...
1: I will say this. You've not seen the Avengers trailer. but they've... Not
0: one. I'm not. Well, I saw a little teaser like in November or something.
1: There's been a TV cut and then there's been a trailer for theaters. Neither one shows any action scenes. They are just small character moments that don't really say anything okay. other than we don't know from the first one. There, there are no okay. surprises revealed. Okay. So they are purposely being very vague with the trailer. Like I said, we've not even seen one single action beat from the movie that's upcoming. We don't know what any of the fights look like. Okay. It's just all the characters sitting around moping, after okay. the snapping.
0: Yeah, after the, the snapping. <laughs> I love it. So cool. Well, I think we'll uh, jump into our first uh, review of the night, and that's going to be Alita: Battle Angel. Why don't we listen into a little bit of it, and uh, we'll be right back. You're listening to the Film Coterie Podcast.
1: Does it bother you that I'm not completely human? You are the most human person I have ever met.
0: Didn't I tell you to be home before dark?
1: I just lost track of time.
0: A yeah. You have to be responsible.
1: You are someone very special. Hey, kid. Not just a teenage girl.
0: Hey, what's your problem?
1: You can't remember. What do you mean? Doc found you in the scrapyard. So you must be from up there.
0: And I'm just an insignificant girl.
1: That's what they want you to think.
0: All right, and we are back. And that was a little bit, a little sample of Alita, Battle Angel, and... um, Alita Battle Angel is described as a deactivated female cyborg that is revived but cannot remember anything of her past life and goes on a quest to find out who she is. Adam, tell us a little bit more about Alita Battle Angel. So, you've probably heard this
1: name because James Cameron's been working on and off this movie since even before Avatar. This was the film that he always envisioned doing some sort of motion capture on. Uh, he was building the Avatar Studios for, and I don't know the exact history, but he did pivot to Avatar at some point. And then this film just kept putting, getting put on the back burner. Avatar came out, conquered the world, showed that we're entering a new realm of 3D, entering a new realm of what's possible through motion capture right. performances. Yeah. And eventually, he came up with the idea of letting Robert Rodriguez shoot it. Robert Rodriguez of Sin City and Desperado fame. Yeah,
0: I think he got. I think he got so buried. He had intended to do this, yes. but got so buried in the sequels, right? To um, the uh, four sequels, yeah. To, to Avatar, Avatar, yeah. That he wasn't able to do this, and so he kind of passed the baton to Robert Rodriguez,
1: mm-hmm. who. I mean his movies are a little bit hit and miss with me. He is a is a pretty good visionary director. I mean, he's got a very nice visual flair. You know, starting with Sin City moving to some of his other stuff. So, he was an interesting choice. So, James Cameron still has a screenwriting credit on the film. He was also from what I understand a very hands-on producer. I mean, this is the same technology from Avatar with the motion capture. So, they're using the Lightstorm Entertainment yeah. stuff. Oh, Cameron's yeah. on set advising. And let's be honest, there's not many better mentors you could have for this type of film than James Cameron hanging around the set.
0: Yes, that, that's for sure. And, and
1: go he, ahead. here we are. So it's 2019, the movie's released. And I think, I let's say this, when we went, we went with a group of four. Right. And our we were divided right down the middle. Two of us liked it, thought it was okay. And then two were pretty down on it, you know, upset by it, hating it. So it's, it's a movie that's going to split people for various reasons. Um, we always joke about this, that Roger and I are basically the same person, but <laughs> surprise, surprise, we were the two that both kind of liked it. So you're not going to get a differing opinion that, from us that you may hear out there. Right. Now, over the weekend, I was kind of monitoring chatter. I was watching on Twitter and Facebook as people saw it, and I was seeing more and more positive stuff come in. So I'd say the fan reception that I've observed is certainly warmer than what maybe the Rotten Tomato score would indicate.
0: No, I would agree with you. I, I actually I like this movie. I, it came down at three and a half stars for me out of five. And uh, um, it is, even though Rod Rodriguez directs it, it does have a James Cameron feel to it. You with know, the world building. You're going to get a lot of world building, you're going to get a lot of emotional drama, in a sense of relational drama. Um, the things that he does, you know, he's about James Cameron. For all the technology, is is primarily about story. He wants to tell a good story. He wants to he wants to bring out humanity in whatever form it is, whether it's an avatar or it's an Alita battle angel
1: or a Terminator
0: or a Terminator. He's going to make them the most human rep- That's a quote from Alita. Even, you know what the, the, the boyfriend says it's one point in time, you're the most human person I know, you know? And so that's what Cameron does. And so if you don't like that, if you don't like the, the, the Terminators, the Titanics, the avatars, if, if those just, if you're like, yeah, I hate that. You're not going to like Alita, you know, But if you like that and you like what I'm going to say right now on record is some of the best effects, some of the best battle sequences, some of the most beautiful set pieces you've ever seen on this film, um, there's a lot to like about Alita, you know, from my my opinion. Yeah, I mean, we should
1: say that the action is very well choreographed. It's clear what's going on. It was nice in Bumblebee, too. We're we're getting Uh. these bigger movies now. it's not just a jumble and a mess in front of you there's very clear
0: geography for the action scenes right well you know it's so easy to get lost with the transformers and even when you get into space battles even some of the star wars the episodes one through three you can get completely lost in the world um with fighting movies you know kung fu movies um uh you can get it's real easy to forget where you are in the midst of a big battle scene you know and and l- very much like John Wick One, which I thought was great framing, um, this movie does the same thing. You d- you always even though there's some of the most incredible fight scenes you'll ever see, you don't ever lose your spatial where you know where you are at all times.
1: You know. And the characters have a real gravity to them because they're all different sizes. I mean, this is a future where there's a lot of cyborgs, and they're not just human size. Some are as big as three, four times as yeah, tall as 20 a feet
0: tall. I mean, you know, yeah. and, 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 you know, Alita is this little teeny petite, five foot tall at best girl. And you're thinking, how does she even stand a chance? And then when they release her full one, you're like, Oh
1: my gosh, you know? Okay. Well, it helps if you have a nuclear reactor for a heart.
0: Yes. You don't ever get tired. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. But anyway, yeah.
1: So something you need to know going in is that this is based on a, a manga that then became an anime series. And this movie is not meant to be a standalone film. It's here to set up a franchise. Yeah. So there there could be very some valid complaints about this not feeling like an entirely complete film, where maybe you felt the same way when you saw Fellowship of the Ring, if they never made any of the others, where it just ends. So this is this is setting up a franchise, and it's not really structured in your normal three acts. It more or less follows a comic book storyline right? where you know you're going to get 12 issues over the course of the year, and they're setting up various plot points that may the, not resolve.
0: Yeah, we got the first four with this movie. You yeah, know. They,
1: they cover – the movie shifts, and, and it, you know something that the movie opens with, one of the central mysteries in the first act is resolved within 10 minutes. You realize yeah. who this person is, what he's doing, and then it opens up the world bigger. We learn about bounty hunters. You know, And then we learn about Motorball. We're learning about things she's going to move into. Right. Now, that does come. The movie's just a little bit over two hours. I want to say it's like 205. It's a little lengthy. It sacrifices some character development. Alita is the only character that's not one-dimensional, I would say, in this film. I would agree. Hugo, the love interest. Dr. Ito, the father figure. um, The villains. They are all one note. And there's not really much time to develop And
0: even Hugo's backstory, it's like they throw in this bad thing he's been doing and you never get a sense that he ever really did that. It's really thin. His story is very thin. Exceedingly
1: thin. thin. She's the only character that really changes and grows. Yeah. But that's the point of the movie. I mean, this is kind of a take on Pinocchio. There's a lot of stuff you can read in here about a creator and his adopted daughter. And there's some nice arc in here about her growing up. She sort of goes through a rebellious teenager phase and moves from a teen girl to a woman throughout the movie. And I thought that was handled pretty well in an interesting way. Yeah, Accelerated, of course. This is just over a matter of days instead of uh, years.
0: I like Alita. I like this movie. Um, And I I will enjoy it again. I'll probably buy it when it comes out so I can watch it on you know, in 4K on the big screen at the house, you know, because it's worth that, you know. Um, I like her development as well, too. I've I, I got to be honest with you. The best parts of this movie are the fight scenes are just off the hook good. I mean, you know, it's like there are three times that he sits, that Rodriguez sits this movie up to where, you know, she's in a, the first time she's in the bounty hunter club headquarters. And you think she's in way overhead. And and then you see what happens there. And then you think, whew, how's he going to top that? Well, he tops it two more times and it, I I bought it. I, I, I believed it, you know? Um, so the action sequences are great very very beautiful some of the holes i think is uh, you you mentioned the obvious one outside of alita every character in the story is one note one beat um uh maharsha ali is r- not wasted but there's no real i mean he's such a good he could be such a good villain it's just i don't think they really tap into his talents you no, know
1: he's just sort of a stereotypical middle management gangster yeah. type yeah And And he's he's fine in it.
0: And he's so much more than that.
1: But there's no real room for him him to elevate the role or make it anything different than something we've seen a hundred times before. And Christoph
0: Waltz, you know, given the right right material, he's so uh, pleasing to watch. He can be eccentric. And he could have been this eccentric toy maker that really seems so... um, non-essential in that world yet everybody relies on him because he fixes everybody up, you know? And so there's, I think I thought there could have been so much more done with him, but you only have so much time within the story to do, to say what you need to say, you know?
1: So let's talk about the performances. Now we've talked about the human stuff. So this is the most motion capture since we've had the Planet of the apes films and avatar and the star of the movie is obviously Rosa Salazar playing Alita. Yep. And I think she really nails the tone she needed for this character of being endearingly sweet, but also confident and recognizes her own power without being abusive of it. She walks that line where she's never really annoyingly childlike sweet, but she never goes too far the other direction either, where she's just a, a silent badass warrior. Right. She I think you buy the character in those between those two levels.
0: Um I I, I think I agree with most of that. You know, for me, I was thinking about her mocap performance, and it's obviously very good, but there's something about looking at a human-like face. See, it's weird because Andy Serkis did War for Planet of the Apes and did all kinds of human expressions on on a chimpanzee.
1: Well, that's what they call the uncanny valley. So we're more likely to accept it. And I
0: I buy that, right? We're more
1: likely to accept it because the monkey's still foreign to us. Yes. When it's a human...
0: Even though she's not, I think if they would have made her more, look like an anime character, you know, maybe given her just different, much more defined head features, you know. Yeah, and
1: so she's she's different in the movie. The movie sets that up early, why she looks that way and why she's different. And she does have the bigger eyes that you'd expect from an anime property. Mm-hmm. Now, if you followed any of the trailers, they worked and worked and worked to get these eyes right because it just looks wrong to us that it's a quasi-photorealistic person with no, these yeah, dynamic eyes. Early iterations of the trailer were pretty bad, and they were, they were poorly received because the eyes were just way off. I'll say that the final movie we saw looked better than any trailer. So oh, they were yeah. working no, on this yes. movie up until the no release. No doubt.
0: But still, it wasn't even the eyes that bothered me. It was more of the, the small mouth, the small teeth, and then... When she was when she would try to be emotional and sad, it almost felt like a cartoon character to mm-hmm. me more than a human, you know. Um, so I was a little disappointed with that, but overall, I like Alita. I, I would recommend it. I think folks would enjoy. If you're a fan of the sci-fi, if you're a Cameron fan, uh, if you're a Rodriguez fan, you're gonna get you know you're gonna get a smart director that keeps things tight, keeps them moving. That knows how to, where to use the camera, where to put it. I mean, you know, yeah, that's it's it's a good film.
1: And what I didn't realize till today, I was looking up the other cyborgs. The other cyborgs are definitely more alive in this movie than some of the humans. Yes. There's Zapan, the lead cyborg with the sword that's played by Ed Screen. But uh, Gurwishka is the hulking, sewer-dwelling sort of early enemy in the film. Right. I didn't realize it was Jackie Earl Haley that played him. I okay. was wondering who had played him. I yeah. Guess any circus had crossed my mind just from the gravelly voice, but it wasn't him. So it was Jackie Earl Haley. Oh, nice. That ended up playing Grushka.
0: Okay, cool. So that's going to wrap it up for Alita battle angel. Uh, we have one more film to review tonight and that is happy death day Two. you. You. (laughs) And, uh, why don't we take a quick break and listen to a little bit of happy death day 2 You're listening to the film coterie podcast. We'll be right back. Okay. You're up. I folded your pants for you. No
1: way. Dude, did you hit that or what? Ryan,
0: I'm back. Undulate, people!
1: Uh, who's this crazy white
0: Same day, same day! Everything's different this time. Now, the killer is coming after all of us. Ryan! That means I'm gonna have to die over. Bye! And over again. To save all of you? Damn, this is crazy, man. If
1: I don't stop the killer, more people will die.
0: If I die again, I could stay dead. Failure's not an option. All right, let's see what you got. All right, and we're back, and uh, happy death day to you, Adam. Happy death day to you, Roger. <laughs> So we have Happy Death Day to You, which is the follow-up to Happy Death Day, right? That is correct. So fill me in on this. Now, I had the wonderful privilege because Happy Death Day was 99-cent rental this week. So I rented it. And so I watched Happy Death Day this afternoon and then immediately left and met you at the theater to see Happy Death Day to You. So I've had so a double you- two horror films in one day. So you'll be much more
1: familiar with it than I was because I, I saw the original back in theaters and I've not seen it since, so I'm about a year removed.
0: Well, I have it fresh in my mind. So if you need fresh any details. And I need to be refreshed. So
1: So if you're not familiar with this franchise, it was a PG thirteen experiment by Blumhouse last year that sort of mashed up Scream with Groundhog Day. Yeah. It was a masked killer who done it, slasher meets a every time you die you wake up at the start of your day again like groundhog day. Yep. Now, I was surprised. I when I saw this movie, I didn't have much, the first one. I didn't have much expectations going in, but I had a really good time. It was fun. I liked the angle of the main character tree having to realize she needs to be a better person. It's a little bit of a Christmas carol. Right. In this story, as she needs, you know, she recognizes some areas she needs to improve. And the two genres worked really well together for the most part. Yeah. It maybe shouldn't have worked as well as it did, but it, and it, it, it came together. And up until this point, we hadn't had much of this type of storytelling since Groundhog Day. Now we have Happy Death Day. And if you've seen it on Netflix, we have Russian Russia Doll, Russian doll uh, with Natasha Lyonne, where every time she dies, she wakes up and has to start the day again. So we're getting this a lot more common as a storytelling mechanism. So it may not feel as fresh anymore, especially with a sequel, but that's what we're going to get into with this review.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I, like I said, I, I watched both of them today. The first one this afternoon and then the sequel tonight for our podcast. And I had to chuckle because in the Universal's gag in the first one is they kept starting the movie over and over. They would play the first eight bars of the universal scroll, then back up and play it again and back up and play it again. And then today they give you a little clue about where this movie's going. When they started the universal scroll, they split the screen and then showed another universal scroll. Then they split the screen again and showed another universal scroll. Like, guess what? There's parallel worlds and universes kind of a little foreshadowing for where we're going to go. And um, and a lot of the exact same beats, the whole cast is back. Um, you know the whole cast. Yeah. I mean, literally everybody from the first one is the writers back. and directors are back too. So even behind the scenes. Yep. And so um I will say I really liked the first one. I liked for horror, I liked the message that it sent. You know, that you need to be a good person. Being a jerk or, you know, what they refer to her as in the film, we don't need to say, but you know, being a bad person is does not lead to anything good. And well, she and ha- we can
1: all be better. So she doesn't be- have to be the blonde yes. snobby yes. sorority girl. She can be more than that.
0: Yes. And uh, she has some personal trauma. Her mother has passed away. They share the same birthday. Um, you know, and so she thinks if she just avoids it, she, it won't ever affect her. And it does affect her in a big way. So, um, you know, a little cheesy, but light and fun and popcorny and a teen horror movie. I I immediately told Zach and Tori, I said, if you're ever going to watch a horror movie, this is the one you need to watch. You know, I think you'll laugh. You'll think it's funny. You know, you'd you'd enjoy it. Um, and then we went right into happy death day to you. And I got to say, um, it's the same beats. It's not, there's not a whole, I didn't find the movie vastly different. And I think if I'd have had a year between the two, I think I'd be higher on this film. Okay. Uh, it just fell a little flat to me, to be honest with you, but I just had two hours of the first movie and we cover essentially some very same ground from the first movie in the second movie. Um, I like that They changed things up a little bit. Um, But still kind of the same beats, even... It literally is the exact same movie as the first one, except for she's in a different place, and so things have just slightly shifted. And there's a science fiction element now, and a dimensional element that was present in the first one, we just didn't know about it.
1: Yeah, so I think it's kind of clever how they work in the science fiction fiction angle. It works, it doesn't feel like it was just tacked on. No. Um, so what they sort of do is it's instead of juggling all three genres, as science fiction comes in, they're kind of turning down the knob on the horror. Very much so. Because during a vast majority of this movie, she's not as worried about the killer. She can yes. just kind of ignore it and deal with the science fiction elements. So that's where the sacrifice is made. Yeah. It's still funny. They maybe turn down some of the horror elements again. They bring in the science fiction elements. Um and it i mean this is a tough movie to make cuz two of the hardest genres to make a sequel in
0: are horror and comedy and this is both well you i know. would say this is, this movie is primarily a comedy yeah and a science fiction movie and lastly a horror film yes you know so yeah whereas the first one you got more of a first one kind of had a real scream vibe to it to me you know a real light poppy you know horror genre film this is a straight up comedy that also has a little bit of horror elements to it that add to the comedy as well. Um, yeah.
1: Well, I'll say this, the, the person that anchors this whole series is Jessica Roth as tree. She's the main character and she's just very enjoyable to watch. I, I particularly enjoy when she's in the take no bullshit mode, when she's mad about something and storming in the high heels through the campus. I just have such a fun time watching her in that particular mode. What this movie adds in is some more emotional elements and I thought she really did a good job carrying those too. It wasn't just the yeah. uh, I'm out, I'm tired of this, I'm gonna deal with it. She she brought the weight to those scenes where the emotional beats are. Yeah. And somebody needs to get this girl into something else. I mean, yeah. Netflix series, more movies. She's I very entertaining agree. to Wholeheartedly. watch.
0: Wholeheartedly. She's the star of the show. She's the best part about the movies. Um and and I found it interesting that when she kind of went back into her Mean and grouchy mode, like you said, a couple times. Because she realizes, I'm right back here where I started from again. And I thought to myself, didn't you learn anything from the first movie? But then it hit me, this is... One day after she learned that lesson. So don't expect her, Roger, to be suddenly fixed up and perfect, you know?
1: We're all human.
0: Exactly. Look what
1: happens in New Year's resolutions. Yes. January 1st, you're one person. <laughs> By January 3rd, you might be your old self again.
0: Exactly. So I had to cut her a little slack and then I was like, okay. Um I think she plays the emotional beats great, too, with her mother. Um, the, 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 there's the Um With the loss of her mom... And then the, the twist with the second movie there's just some really really cool. She just handles some of those scenes with her parents very well I thought, you yeah. know. Absolutely. And it's fun, it's still light. There's nothing uh, maybe a hair more blood in this one, but they save it for the very end. But it's just blood on a knife. I mean, you know, it, 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 there's no real they don't show really. Yeah, so
1: that's always cut away right as they happen cuz right. you're waking up.
0: Yeah. Now
1: yeah. I still say this is still made for younger audience. Yep, it's a high um,
0: school made for high schoolers.
1: There's a certain heist element that sort of comes in later that I thought would play maybe better with a younger crowd finding it funny. Where I thought it was sort of spinning its wheels.
0: Yeah, I mean I've I've seen so many great movies where it's stall the stall the antagonist while we steal something under his nose that are just so much better. That whole section with the French. Blind friends, it's person, painful. It's painful. It felt very, very flat. But had we been in a theater
1: on a Friday night full of a younger college we, exactly. or high school crowd, yes. yeah, I think it might have played. I mean, it might have played better. We were yeah. in an empty theater today, it was us and maybe six other people. Yeah, being no, I agree.
0: I agree with you there.
1: So it didn't work for me, but for a younger crowd that watches the CW and some other stuff, that may have played pretty well. I don't know.
0: Yep, absolutely. So but uh, overall, I'm gonna—I would give it like three stars, you know, out of five. It's still good, still very entertaining, um, worth having, worth watching, you know, worth go- If you're out on a Friday night and you want to do something fun and light with a little bit of a scary element to it, you know, this would be a good movie to watch.
1: Fun date night movie. Yeah, it'll be a fun watch at home for Netflix and chill. Yep, absolutely. So, <laughs> let me ask you this: In 2020, and Happy Death Day, the threequel is coming. Are you down for it?
0: Yeah, I'm gonna go see it. it okay. sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah,
1: I mean, I, I think I would too. I mean,
0: we've we, we've already bought the first two movies, so yes. I, I, I'm invested. Let's see what happens in the
1: third one. You know, they'll so. add another element. Who knows what genre is coming into the fourth or the third one? So I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they'll lose the baby mask killer at this point.
0: There you go. But um. Anyway, I would rec—I'd recommend it. I think it's good to go see. Um, I think you'd recommend it too, Adam. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, it's fun. Um, so we have two movies that we both would recommend people go see.
1: Yeah. Now we'll say this: if you didn't like the first one, because I know some people that don't, uh, there's yeah. probably nothing here for you.
0: No, there's nothing. If you didn't like, if you're, not, if you weren't a fan or didn't enjoy the first one, there's no reason to go see the second one. No. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, that's going to wrap it up for our second film. Why don't we come back and do one more segment and talk about what's coming up in the weeks ahead. You're listening to the Film Coterie Podcast. All right, we are back, and it's our coming attraction segment, Adam. What do our listeners have to look forward to, and what do we have to look forward to in the weeks to come?
1: So March is looking like a stack lineup for people that like everything. we got blockbusters. we got some interesting horror coming out. So kicking it off, we have Greta, which you and I are going to get to see next week, I believe. Yep. Um, I don't know much about it other than a lady leaves bait purses out. For people to find and bring to her and then becomes her best friend and then it's probably a misery situation. I don't know. We'll, we'll find see. out uh Captain Marvel. Oh. It's tracking very big. Are we here already at Captain Marvel Captain two Marvel. weeks away? Keep in mind we're gonna get three Marvel movies within four weeks. And then and nothing four months or a couple other. years. And then we're in a we're in a lull after that since we're yes. getting Captain Marvel, Avengers Endgame.
0: Well, I not necessarily we'll get the second spider the next
1: Spider-Man movie. Spider-Man and- Far From Home is in this 4-month window.
0: Oh. And then
1: we get uh X-Men, which no one really cares about this summer. It's the last of the Fox movies before they transition over to Disney. X-Men Dark Phoenix.
0: And then they're going to reboot that whole franchise.
1: But then we also have Captive State in March, March 15th. Nice. This sort of has a Half-Life angle, if you've ever played those yes. video games. I love
0: the Half-Life video games. Earth
1: has been conquered. There's some alien species running us now. There's humans that are working for them, and then there's a rebellion. Okay. Among the free humans. Gotcha. New Nancy Drew movie. I don't know anything about that. I I might be. Us, which is one of my most
0: anticipated movies. Yes. One of mine loved Get Out. Yep. Jordan Peele's follow-up to Get Out. The follow-up. I cannot wait to see what Jordan does. I I have a high bar there. And then Dumbo. Now, I will say this. I very
1: much enjoyed seeing Tim Burton at Fantastic Fest two years ago. And he told us in the high ball that he hated working with children and animals. So it just kind of cracks me up. He's still doing this. He's making Dumbo. Well, at least the animals are CG, I guess. He just can't CG the children yet. Yeah, not yet. Because he said he complained with the animals. They never follow what you're trying to tell them to do. And the children, you can't tell them they gave a bad performance. They're done for the day. They're just emotional wrecks. You have to go tell their parents to tell them to do it differently. They don't take notes. So that's Tim Burton.
0: Yeah. So, I am I mean, I'm a little cool on Dumbo, but that's just I am, me. I, I'm not a fan of the property, yeah. really. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. We'll probably see it. So that's March. All right. That's an ex- that 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 it has a little bit of everything in it then. So all right, Adam, well if those who want to connect with us on the social medias, how can they reach out to us?
1: Uh, the best place is always Facebook. We're on uh, facebookcom backs/thefilmcoterie. You can also find us on all social media, Instagram, Twitter, everything else. Yep. With the same Twitter ha- with the same handle. It's at @filmcodery. Yep,
0: absolutely. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of The Film Coterie. We'll see you next time. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.
1: Delicious
0: things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat.